1: in this first round match in the North American heavyweight title tournament. goes in and attacks Steve Cox from behind immediately at the bell Well, the
0: California stud Rod Price getting an early jump on things as Steve Cox really hasn't had time to catch a breath as Price just jumped him before the bell rang and Cox hasn't now he's mounting an offense short lived as it
1: was Price using those fists with some uh, determination he's got Cox wrapped around him and wrapped over the ropes
0: Beautiful move. Steve Cox with a flying forearm. And now Cox wanting a timeout. All right. Well, we've seen the problems that Steve Cox has had with Jim Cornette and Stan Lane as a result of the tag team tournament.
1: And Steve Cox seems
0: like a man reborn. And I think Rod Price knows exactly that Steve Cox... Oh, boy.
1: All right, joining me on the line right now is a former global North American champion and a global world tag team champion. You may know him as the California Stud Hardway or Rugged, but he is Mr. Rod Price. Rod, welcome to the two-man power trip of wrestling. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. I'm enjoying the day. Now, I feel like, you know, maybe the name Rod Price has been out of the limelight for a little bit. So what have you been up to?
0: Uh, Rod Price has been going through a lot of, uh, surgeries. <laughs> I've oh. been, uh, been, uh, repairing myself, picking myself up. I'm, uh, this is the first year that I won't have to have a major surgery in in about five or six years. So I'm, uh, I'm thankful for that, but, uh, I feel good. You know, it's not, it's not a bad thing. It's, you've got to fix what's broke to come back a hundred percent. So
1: that's what I'm doing nice very good now as far as those surgeries that you had like what kind of surgeries were they all wrestling related yeah i had both shoulders replaced i had
0: knees replaced i had uh four neck surgeries um uh, just it just seemed like i i battled uh prostate cancer i ended up uh removing my prostate was one of them but uh i'm 100 percent. everything's good and healthy i'm so thankful and blessed that uh Lord gave me another year, turned 59 today.
1: Yes, yes, and happy birthday. That's pretty cool. Um, yeah, I got to celebrate uh, your birthday a little bit here with you. That's pretty cool yeah. for me. <laughs> now, as far as kind of you and your career, I feel like for me, like global kind of comes to mind first, but a lot of people when they hear Brad Freist, they immediately think ECW or what's kind of the first thing when kind of fans get reintroduced to you?
0: Well, when I went, when I went to ECW, you know, the guys were remember me from Global, so yep. you know I probably had I guess my big run was with Global. You know, I had a had a good time. I uh, Global was like one night a week for me. We'd do uh, five TV taping sometimes, and then we'd go do house shows after that. I my bread and butter, I, uh, I hooked up with Kendo Nakasaki, and he took me to j- Japan for a long time and uh, really took very good care of me.
1: Now, as far as Japan, was that for the NOW promotion out there?
0: Yes. It
1: started, got uh, on too late to get
0: on with SWS, and then he broke off and they went into
1: NOW. So when you're kind of making that, you know, connection with Kendo Nagasaki, is that just a Texas thing? Was he a Texas guy, and that's kind of where you guys met? Yes, uh,
0: Kendall came through Texas. He uh, he wrestled with world class, and I, Kendall wrestled all over. But uh, when he went back to his homeland, he uh, got hooked up with a promotion, and they had a they had a big company. And out of that, SWS company broke off into a lot of little companies after that. And they all worked together. I worked with almost every promotion in Japan at one time. But uh, it kept me busy.
1: What did you think of it out there? I know a lot of wrestlers love it. They love the strong style, but maybe a little bit of culture shock at first. What did you think about working out there in Japan? I really enjoyed it. I mean...
0: They work you. There's no, uh, you know, you're working every night. <laughs> as soon as you, as soon as you land, you know, most times you're on the go and you're on their dime. So they they get every dime out of you. And that's I never had a problem with that. I never was scared of working hard, so I enjoyed it. Uh, Japan was really nice. I I love the culture. I love uh, just how they utilize all their space that they have with all those people over there. It's amazing. But I um, really enjoyed my time over there. I, I would love to go back someday and take my beautiful bride with me, but we shall see what happens.
1: Now, were you out there with uh, Cowboy Bob Orton Jr. as well? Yes. Uh huh. That's an interesting kind of thing because you don't really think of, him at that time period, I mean, obviously he's still wrestling, We're still wrestling years later, but it's just interesting. He's more of like you think of 80s guy. You don't think of 90s guy in Japan. How was he at that point?
0: Bob could go, man. I think Bob at that time was like 45, but he he could go. I remember uh, we had John Layfield on our, on our tour, and he was uh, Johnny Hawk at the time. He later became... Uh, LBJ or how oh, Bradshaw? Anyway, JBL was over there, and he uh, him and Bob he'd go tackle Bob. We'd be we'd be wrestling before the matches, and Bob be stretched out, and John would go over there and jump on him, and Bob would kick him out and stretch him in about five minutes. So it was a uh, good entertainment for us, and without without a
1: doubt, Bob Orton could go. Now, what was JBL like at that point in time? He was young, young and
0: uh, still learning. You know, he was very teachable, and he was uh, just a young – he was young and full of fun. He uh, never had a bad time with, uh, with Johnny
1: Hawk, that's for sure. Was he a big party animal kind of guy? Not – if you if you were gonna drink beer with them
0: and and go toe to toe, you're in for a long night. Uh, we <laughs> took we took a taxi ride home one night, cost us a hundred bucks. I think we slept for a mile or two on that, but uh, it was kind of funny. We got a hundred dollar tab bill for uh, for the taxi ride, and
1: I think we we're only three blocks away, but we'd had a few beers that night, so. And if you think about it, you know, he became a very, very long, tenured WWF guy, WWE guy, had a great career there, world champion. Did you kind of see that when he was that big lump of clay in the early 90s? Did you see oh, him absolutely. becoming a big star?
0: Because I went to uh, Germany. When his second year there was my first. And, you know, just seeing how John was growing and learning. And it's just about. You know, it's what these wrestlers don't have today is the opportunity to work every night.
1: And John was
0: John John Layfield was able to work every night. He applied everything that he learned, and he had the size, a monster
1: of a guy, and he's a really good guy down down deep in his heart. He's a really good guy, man. You think that's really killing the guys today? Because I mean, right now it looks like they're work working once a week, basically.
0: Yeah, you can't you can't. Work you know, getting in the ring and working out is one thing, but getting in front of a crowd and, and working is another. And that's that's what they don't have. They don't have these young guys. They have the mechanics, but they don't have the know-how on how to use it because they never had an
1: opportunity to, to polish their craft. Yeah, it is not the same you know, as it once was, so that's for sure. And you're right, John Layfield working all the time, and when you guys went to CWA, they had to work in nightly. Yes. Yeah, we worked nightly and twice on Sundays
0: with the kinder catch.
1: You think that's kind of what caught up with you, working so much, and maybe harder rings, maybe stiffer style, that kind of led to a lot of the injuries?
0: Well, I was I was beat up when I when I got into wrestling. I
1: you know, I had a football background, bounced around
0: with a couple of camps and and time I uh time I fully turned my attention to wrestling, I was already I was already pretty beat up. And then when I got into wrestling, you know, you don't have an off season. So you just go, 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 you know, if you would dope yourself up for the night or for two weeks to get through something, then that's what you did, and you know, it's not the, it wasn't the wisest way, but it it was the way. Now I think some people took it to extremes, and they paid the price for it. But uh, I always I always like to try to keep a, a middle ground on things, you know, just
1: keep everything
0: keep everything kind of even.
1: As far as those tours of Japan, you did go out there with Rock and Rebel, right? With Chuck Williams as well. Yes. Uh huh. What was he like? I mean, obviously, I mean, uh, people should know. They don't know, you know, it's a horrific end for for him and his life, and who knows what what happened behind the scenes there. But what was he like at that point? Was he, uh, you know, was he a crazy guy, or was he a totally normal and you know really just fly by night regular sort of wrestler, regular <laughs> sort of guy?
0: Yeah. Well, you know, you're talking about somebody the wrestlers aren't normal anyway to do the things we did well we used not to be but uh, you know you got to be a little off to get in that ring and throw yourself around night after night but he didn't he didn't come across he seemed just like one of the boys you know no crazier than anybody else everybody had their moments but you know nobody nobody ended up in the padded wagon
1: or nothing Right now, as far as like you and and getting into the business, kind of breaking in, where did you actually like first break in? Was it Dallas, Texas? No, I broke in in California. I was working for Alex
0: Knight and uh, Bill Anderson and Spicoli. Uh, they were like the first few matches I ever had in my life was against Bill Anderson and
1: uh Spicoli. And you know it's funny like I know you like you're the California stud but I think so many people equate you with Dallas, Texas. I feel like, you know, like you wrestled so much for Global USWA, um, when when they kind of had that world class USWA ma- you know mash up when they when they kind of formed a team. I don't know, you're just, like so um engrossed, or I guess you could say, with Dallas, Texas.
0: Yeah. Living in Dallas, you know, at the time, <clears throat> uh, was the hot, you know, that was the place to be for wrestling. Everybody was coming there. And it just happened that uh, for, Kendo had a house in Dallas and that was our base. So, you know, we flew together, James Beard and all. I, we flew together when we went to Japan. and You know, a lot of times we'd come back. Sometimes I'd go to Korea. They'd come home. I'd go over to Korea, then come back. But Dallas was always my base, being for, uh, for midweek or flying fly even on a Friday and uh, get off the plane at 3 and head to the Sportatorium to go back to work.
1: So, kind of going back, when you were trained, was it by Red Bastine and Bill Anderson? Was that like the duo that kind of trained you well, no, when you were getting it, in?
0: Bill Anderson had a school with uh, right next door. Well, next door, I should say, on the other half of the the other half of the transmission shop we used to train out of, and Mondo Guerrero was hands on with me.
1: So, how did your training go? Like when you're working with Mondo and obviously legendary family, legendary name. How did the training go? Did you kind of take to it easily? Were you a natural?
0: It it was very easy to me.
1: Uh, the
0: the physical part, uh, learning the psychology was a, took longer, but that just came with time in the ring, and uh, I was blessed to be around so many veterans that just you know took me under the wing and showed me so many things along the way man and when i got an opportunity to open up my school that's that's one thing that uh, i stressed to, to a couple of my students was you know just keep passing this keep passing the business down and keep it close to you
1: now as you're kind of Going through and you're kind of you know making a name for yourself in wrestling more in u s w a which is pretty well known territory with Jerry Jarrett and um Jerry Lawler at the helm, what are your kind of impressions of the business as you're like kind of going through are you thinking you're getting the hang of it you're a natural like what are you thinking as you're kind of slowly creeping through as we get into like the nineties uh,
0: my time in i thought i was I thought I was picking up things uh Pretty quick. Uh, I I saw other people that were had been in the business a little longer than me that were still struggling with some things that I you know that were no problem for me, and I just I, you know I was blessed with uh, good athleticism, so you know I had good genes, and uh, I'm thankful I had a good dad that played football and uh, played basketball. He was a good athlete in his
1: day. What did you think about Steve Austin at this point because you run into him very early on in his career, very early on in your career, but did you see star potential with Steve? Were you close with Steve at all?
0: Yeah Steve and I were we tagged we were tagged together with u s w a we were uh, team Adonis at the time with uh Jeannie was walking us out yeah steve uh, Steve was just such a student of the game. He was a quick learner, and if he didn't pick it up, man, he stayed on it, stayed on it, and worked on worked on honing his own craft. And um, I went back to Japan when they wanted to tag us up and send us again to Memphis, and that's when uh, he went his way and I went
1: mine. As far as him, I mean, I guess there's no way to tell. He'd be one of the biggest stars ever. Did you see potential in him? Like, oh, he, I think he's going to be something. I think he's going to break through. Yes, absolutely. He uh, he was an outspent and
0: you you know you you really have to have some sort of athleticism in this business to really, if you're putting big names over or. If you're leading big names in a main event, you're going over. You've got to be able to carry that, and it takes a good athlete to do that. There's a lot of good athletes in this business.
1: So you really kind of then make your name, like you said, a lot of people remember you from Global. I feel like that's where you really begin to make a, a big name for yourself. I guess really with John Tatum, I think so many people remember that, three-time Tag Team yep. Champion with you in Global. What do you think about Hollywood John Tatum? I talk to John Tatum all the time. Uh,
0: he's still my partner. He's still my buddy. He's still my friend. Uh, he taught me the psychology of the business within uh, a week. <laughs> I mean, he just hmm. set me down. And when we worked, we went out every time. He'd say, see what I mean? See what I mean? And John just had a good psychology for it. John helped me so much uh, developing me when uh, when I had my little run there in global that uh, I was very thankful to have a friendship and a
1: partnership with John Tatum. I, we had a blast, man. We had a really good time. He seems to be one of those guys, He's a little elusive, but definitely one of those like big-time legends that I think people, for whatever reason, tend to forget about. You know, have you... And he got a bigger push, uh
0: you know I think I think him and missy they they had a hot thing going, and you know that was that was a tough ride because you had the free birds going, you had so many things going in mid south at the time and john and John was holding on, and I know watts uh didn't really care for John, but he drew money, so he had
1: to keep him. Okay. I'm not going anywhere. As far as getting into Global, how would you actually get in? Is that something like Joe Pedicino's in charge or Eddie Gilbert's in charge and they bring you in? Like, How would you actually get recruited into Global? I got recruited in uh, probably
0: Akbar's was the one that got me in because we just – Akbar was uh, promoting in Puerto Rico at the time, and and we just finished anniversary shows, and I was hanging around to finish off my my angle with Carlos, I think. And uh when when I was about done I called Ack and asked, you know, what was going on. He said, Well we got global here. He said, All right. And he said, When you get back in town, come by the portatory torn." so went up there and talked to Joe and
1: Act put in a good word for me and
0: worked my way in that way.
1: What did you think about the Sportatorium? Were you aware of, like, the legendary status of the building? Oh,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, every time I worked there, it was special to me, and I was blessed to work there a lot, and it was always special because it had such history behind it.
1: It's one of those things where I can't believe it's gone now, but it's, like, such a legendary place, and it will live on in infamy forever just because it's such a – so many great things happened. It's just a legendary, legendary building. Was it one of those things where, like you see on tape, like, oh, it really, wasn't that nice of building? But it just seemed like it's, it was the place to be. Like, I guess it didn't have air conditioning stuff like that. Was it? Was it a rough building to wrestle in? It was. Uh, it was a heater during the summer,
0: and it was a just an ice box during the winter. But people came. I mean, it didn't matter if people be you a know, fifty cent night or fifty cent beer night. They didn't care, you know, about the, after about the second or third match, the people were just uh, sweating, screaming, throwing beer, just having a good old time.
1: Now, what do you think about Skandar Akbar, who's a very kind of underrated guy that often gets forgotten as well?
0: Ack was, you know, people say what they say, but Ak, uh, <clears throat> he always treated me good I always uh always kept tight with him. We traveled together. We worked independent shows when I was home and I would always give him my schedule when I was going to be back in town and he'd book around me or book for me and when I got home he'd always keep me busy. So, man, I got nothing but high praises for Hack. He was uh he was a good guy. He He uh, didn't get the recognition that he deserved, and uh, it's a shame, but I thought Ack was one of the best.
1: It's funny, when you look at Global, even behind the scenes, I mean, Ackbar, Eddie Gilbert, I mean, there's so many kind of uh, key guys behind the scenes that were great, but even in front of the camera, so many guys that kind of either get forgotten or kind of maybe just underrated guys like Steve Cox was great, um, the Patriot. Then you had, like, Buff Bagwell, who was the handsome stranger, obviously would go on to be Buff and be a big star. But I feel like the talent roster, for whatever reason, kind of gets overlooked in global. I always thought they had a great roster.
0: The roster was amazing, man. (laughs) It was just – he had Cactus Jack. He had Sean, the one, two, three kid back in global days. I mean, he had Adam Baum. It was – there were so many uh, people that – went on to become big stars in that global wrestling uh, locker room. It was amazing.
1: And and just like um, Harlem Heat, like there's so so many other guys, uh, Black Bart, Bill Irwin, just like guys, you just like kind of rattle off. So many great names. Yeah, and Del Wilkes, man. How could I forget Del? Patriot. He came from Atlanta with Joe and then Gary Young, Scott Ponsky. I mean, there's there's, such good crop of guys that I feel like uh, shouldn't be forgotten, but sometimes get forgotten.
0: Yeah, I mean, even
1: uh, the Ebony experience, Booker T,
0: Stevie Ray. I mean, yeah. they
1: came to yeah. global too. too. So. Yeah, all the media were great. Uh, obviously, I have Ebony experience back then, but, yeah, they're great. Uh, I, you know, I mentioned Eddie Gilbert. It's funny, like, you just see some random guys, like, pop in and out, like Barry Horowitz, could you, uh, who was a great wrestler, but he yes. would pop in and pop out. It was just it was Ra- one of those things. Raven was there. hmm
0: I mean, it, uh, <laughs> it's, been, it's been a few years, but uh, it comes back, man. All the names, it's amazing.
1: What did you think about them getting on ESPN?
0: I wish we could have got on a – you know, like a USA or something like that. ESPN, it was good because I can't tell you how many um, people send me send me messages. Man, used to watch it when we got out of high school. You guys were like the after after school special for us. So yeah, yep. You know, it, yep. and it it worked, but you know they they really. Uh, they clipped our heels on doing, you know, a lot of the violent blood and stuff out there, cage matches. So in that way it hurt us. Uh, But you had to do what you had to do for uh, the TV coverage.
1: Were they kind of telling you what can and can't be on TV? Were they kind of like censoring you guys at all? Yeah. Oh, yeah. They used to edit pretty heavy with us. So, like, that obviously, like you said, could hurt, like, the cage matches and the blood and the personal rivalry. So, to to one thing, like, definitely for me and my brother, we'd get home from school and we'd we'd watch Global on right. ESPN. But you're right. Yeah, I guess a lot of the personal vendettas and stuff kind of get cut short or edited out because you need that blood and the cage matches and the violence to really kind of step it up. Yeah, I mean, if
0: you're going to uh, – what are you going to do next week type thing? You know, it. And at one point it's got to end, which usually used to be in a cage, you know you'd end it, and then somebody'd run in and beat them up, and they'd start something else but uh yeah, it hurt us that way, but uh I think a lot of the finishes there for a while went uh p g really bad you know they were they were marketed for uh
1: for kids and and that's what they wanted. What did you think? Cause you had like a little bit of a mini feud there with the gentleman, Chris Adams. what did you think about working with him and how was he kind of behind the scenes? Well, Chris had, he still was
0: able to advertise the school through uh global. So, you know, he helped them, uh, you know, uh, I know he helped book a little bit. I know when we were, we were feuding, uh, he'd, he'd come up with a lot of ideas for us, but, uh, as far as how much say he had in, I'm not sure. Uh, I'm really good friends with James Beard. I know James had a lot of had a lot of say in, in uh, some of the angles, and I, I don't, I can't remember him. I may have uh, slipped my mind, but I don't remember him saying Chris was doing a lot of booking at the time.
1: What about a guy like Action Jackson? He's still, who is still, oddly enough, still out there, you know, wrestling today, isn't he, or isn't he somewhat still, yeah, still I, I active? Just, yeah, I talked to James.
0: Um, I'm going to go in and try to help him out on their TV, just to help clean it up because he's the wrestlers are good, but they don't know, you know, they haven't been on TV and they don't know how to work the TV or do what to do what they should be doing. But I'm going to volunteer my time to go do that. But I was been watching a lot of tapes on him, and I saw Action Jackson. He's still AJ's still going, man. You know, and he looks good. He looked healthy. I mean, brother's been in it for over 30 years, so that that speaks of something.
1: Yeah, and you're obviously you're talking about uh, SWE Fury, right down there in uh, Texas. Yes, in Texas, yes, SWE Fury. They seem like they're doing a lot of different things as far as they bring in some old, they sprinkle in the new, they bring in some pretty good female talent. It seems like they're definitely kind of on the right track. So, you know, what is kind of your, your overall, you said some of the need of experience you're going to go in and help. Like what do you think that you're going to be like, kind of doing with them? Booking at all, or is this just on the training no, aspect? No, no.
0: I, I don't want to have anything to do with the booking. I just, uh, Rodney and, Colleen, Jazz, is uh, they're running, she's running the female and Rodney's doing the male talent. And I I talked with him and he said, man, he goes, help. I need help. (laughs) So I was like, "All right, what do you need? And I talked to James and I'm just going to try to first thing I need to do is better the TV and just kind of speed it up, have a little more action in it and a little more professional is what I'm thinking.
1: What about like, as far as the end of global, I'm just trying to think of like back to like how it ended. Did you guys know it was going to end? Was that a sad time? Because, you know, it's a pretty good three or four year run that they had there. And you were pretty much working very consistently. I know you were in some other, Organizations around Dallas as well, BD, uh, PW, and NWA Dallas and CWA and stuff. But what do you think about Global closing down?
0: You know, I I was kind of shocked because they were doing they were doing good. I I don't know what happened. I I really don't know what ended it. But you know, Global it was you could kind of see, uh, at the very end, I could see things, you know, were slipping and I just kind of wanted to hold back. I didn't want to, didn't want to commit to, to global. If they were going to, if they weren't going to last another month, I'd rather quit now and let them, you know, just fade off. But, uh, they kind of closed the doors early on me. And, uh, I was probably as shocked as a lot of people. I thought we really had a good thing, but uh, what do I know? And Global's gone.
1: Yep. Now, NWA Dallas kind of sparks up right immediately after that. What do you think of that organization? Because that was kind of a little bit of a surprise because Jim Crockett, Jr., is starts to get back into the wrestling game.
0: <laughs>
1: well, there for a while,
0: man, it was like, when Crockett came in, he wanted to, he wanted to turn the uh, clock back to the 1950s. You know, everybody, he didn't want any music on in the intros. just going to be a dry. You know, you come out dry. He wasn't going to try to build the house for TV. He just, you know, let it go. And it just, it flopped big. You know, there was no draw. You're starting, you know, you're starting over fresh big name talent I mean you're running through the
1: same talent these people have been seeing
0: so what's the draw
1: right yeah that's a good point it was just one of those things that like I don't think a lot of people talk about or mention but it's like wow Jim Crockett Jr getting back in wrestling and then you know boom fart you know whatever you want to say flop didn't you know run as successful as you think a Jim Crockett promotion would be no not at all (laughs)
0: you know what I heard he was coming in, I got excited, and then the more I heard about his uh, plan, <laughs> the less excited I got, but uh, I took the paydays, so I'm
1: guilty. Yeah, and you had a pretty big feud with Sam Houston, right? I mean, the uh, the legendary Sam Houston down there.
0: Yeah, oh yeah, Sammy and I, we, we worked a lot, I loved working with Sam, man night off. If I could have worked my whole
1: career with Sam, I'd still be wrestling. He, just like his brother, Jake, is one of those guys where they look kind of skinny, but then you meet him in person, and you're like, wow, you're way bigger than I thought yeah, you were. Like,
0: exactly. Exactly, man. Uh, I think I think a lot of that was uh, I hung around with Sam. We uh, we helped, uh, helped out a little bit at Wildcat Wrestling, and uh, he was... He, he surprised a lot of people. Even at his age, he could still go. So, you know,
1: they they thought he was just skinny. <laughs> yeah, I got gotcha. you. So after NWA Dallas, you end up going to Europe, right? You end up going to C, uh, CWA with Otto Vance. Yeah. How long did you kind of stay there? Because it seems like you had a nice little run over there as well. I stayed over there for the full tour. I was over there from,
0: oh, I want to say May, maybe the end of April till uh, December. I, I loved it. I loved working every night. Loved working with uh, so many so many names, you know, Fit Finley, uh, Tony St. Clair, just off the top of my head, man. Just uh, Dave Taylor was there. It was just they uh you know i could I learned so much just watching these guys and being able to work with them too just further my education and I really thought uh personally when I came back from Europe, I thought I might be able to get hooked up with w c w but it didn't
1: didn't come to fashion. Did you end up working some dark matches? I know you worked WWF dark matches. Did you ever work WCW dark matches?
0: Yeah, John and I went down. And we worked we worked a couple of dark matches for them, and you know, said, so, hey, we love you guys. We'll get back to you,
1: and the phone never rang back. So that is weird because you you guys seem like you'd fit in very well, especially around that time period as well. Any kind of feelers or or notion about why it didn't happen? I don't know. I mean, uh, one time
0: uh, when when Stevie Ray and Booker T and myself were talking to Sid, Sid Vicious was booking in WCW. And at the time, I, was, I wasn't under contract. I was doing per nights with uh, Vince. And I said, well, you know, he's supposed to offer me a contract. So he said. So I didn't want to muddy the waters and uh, jump ship and go to WCW like I should have done. Mm-hmm. I told him no, and uh, I <laughs> I saw I saw Sid Sid lasted I don't know I want to say maybe a month after that as Booker, but uh, I saw Sid up in WWF and he was like, well, I go you up here begging for a job too, and he just laughed at me and said, I'm good. Mm-hmm. <laughs>
1: Did you have a good relationship with Psycho Sid?
0: Yeah, I mean, there was a mutual respect. We didn't hang out together or nothing, but uh we rode,
1: I mean, uh we carpooled
0: when we worked for ECW.
1: Oh, that damn, if that's right Yeah, I Forgot you guys would be there at the, around mm-hmm. the same pit same time period. Yeah, that's that's great. I think Oh yeah, you, I believe you actually wrestled Sid in ECW if I remember correctly. Yeah, I took his power bomb. <laughs> what was that
0: like? <laughs> I told him I said, Man, I only got one in me, so make it a good one. He's like, All right. So boom and then uh, I took my Queens. I love that place the way the building was. But they they had so him so pumped up and he came over to me and said, Sorry, Rod, I gotta give it to you one more time I'm like, Thanks, man.
1: But uh, I
0: didn't have a problem with him in the ring or out of the ring.
1: My God, how, how did I forget that? I, I believe, if I remember correctly, he stiffed you pretty good, but the crowd was literally going nuts wanting one more. Right, right. And, you know, he does the patented, you want one more? You know, like that, <laughs> you know <that> patented. <laughs> It's interesting, too, because a lot of the time that crowd would chant ECW, and they did occasionally with Sid, but then a lot of the times they would be chanting Sid, 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 which was kind of... Weird for that crowd. You didn't think they'd get into it, but they loved him. I know, I know. Uh,
0: I guess he's such a monster. So,
1: <laughs>
0: but uh, I love it. ECW crowds were great, man. They didn't, you know,
1: they call they called uh, they called it like they saw it. No doubt about that. How'd you actually? How'd you get into ECW? Did Paul Lee kind of recruit you in, or because it's like basically? Uh, fall of '98, and you kind of make your debut there.
0: Yeah, I was working in uh, when we—I think it was the third time I was working with USWA. Uh, that's when oh, they got—they were bought out. USWA was bought out, but we were doing shows with uh, WWE, ECW, and USWA, and I, I met Dreamer. On on we were riding around together for a week, and uh, we talked. We hit it off, and uh, later he he gave me a call and said, "Hey man, you want to? Paul and should come work Louisiana because I'd moved there. So uh, I think I I want to
1: say I had my first show in uh, Alexandria with him." Yes, a tag match. You and Spike versus uh, Jack Victory and obviously yourself. I mean, okay. uh, Tommy Dreamer and Spike versus Jack Victory and you. You're right. right. Hey, it was Alexandria. Yeah. Yep. Right. Good call. Great memory. I'm taking that uh, kill oil, so I'm hoping it's supposed to help your brain. <laughs> <laughs> nice. And it's funny, like, as you're going along, you wrestle Sandman pretty early on in your run, and then Masato Tanaka. So it's not like, oh, you know, you're wrestling, you know, nobody. It, it looks like Paul's giving you a pretty good shot right away.
0: Yeah, I came in. I worked with, uh, you know, I worked three times in Met. I, I did an independent show. I worked for uh, ECW there. Maybe it was only two. But I, I, it was like a Friday before ECW. I, I worked the show, and then I got hired by ECW, and I they came down through Shawmet uh, and worked the. Uh, um, I can't remember the name of the building the old the old building there in Shawmet, and we uh, worked the Sandman that night. I remember I hit, I hit him with the. I hit him with a chair, and I, I let it go, and it uh, one of these fans it smacked his fan right in the face. And, he, and Paul was like, oh, I'm going to get sued, and the dude was just loving it. And he was, like, bleeding, screaming. I had Sandman, and he had me sign
1: it afterwards, so he gets fired then. They probably, those fans are so nuts, they probably absolutely loved it that they, that they got yeah, they, a part yeah, of the action. Had yeah. a great time, man. So, are you working under a contract, or just this a handshake deal? How does it work with ECW? Yeah, I'm just, I'm working
0: uh, just under a handshake with Pauline
1: and I never,
0: never got screwed once from over a check. I
1: got, I got
0: all my money from Paulie. I'm probably one of the, Rare guys that did, but
1: yeah. Did you hear anybody else kind of complaining about it? Oh, I saw a lot of bounce checks. I saw he bounced
0: one on Sid and Gang and Tommy Rogers, but he paid them
1: right there in cash. Wow, those are two guys I wouldn't want to keep out the checks on. main Gang and Sid, jeez. All the people that get upset, uh, those uh, gang, man,
0: said, you know, you kind of know what to expect, but gang's such a nice guy. <laughs> yep. George ever got mad at me, I'd commit hair and carry, man.
1: <laughs> and you and gang, you know, would team quite frequently in ECW. What was he like at that point? No, oh, it's kind of like the latter part, but he still had it, you know, he could still go a bit.
0: Yeah, George was still going. We worked, uh, we worked. Four days together uh, with ECW, and we'd we'd come back on a Monday, and a lot of times on a Tuesday, they'd book us in like a house show or a little independent show around uh, Homa or uh, Lafayette, Baton Rouge. So it wasn't bad. I mean, it was good for us in our backyards. Yeah, oh, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's basically both of your hometowns. They're similar. Mm-hmm. Close hometowns, yeah. Because the gang, he still lives in Baton Rouge. and He, uh,
0: you know, when we'd come home, he'd be like, hey, did you get that, get that book? Yeah. I said, yeah. I said, you're going to be there. He said, man, that's only like 15, 20 minutes from my house. He said,
1: I wouldn't miss it." I, said, I hear you, brother. You know, as you're kind of, like, climbing the ladder there in ECW, you get got an ECW World Television title match against Rob Van Dam on TV, on Hardcore TV. What did you think about wrestling Rob Van Dam?
0: I enjoyed Uh Rob was such a talent, too, man. You talk about an athlete. I've never seen a, a, a man that could do the splits like he could, you know, it was amazing, and not only on the floor he could do them in the ring on the ropes unreal, but Rob, I just uh you had to keep him close and I had to keep him tight, just like a von Eric, you couldn't let him uh get too loose on you or you'd get hurt.
1: He was a little stiff in the ring well i'm
0: I, you know I'm naturally stiff, I was always naturally stiff in the ring, but uh he just kind of unorthodox style. You know, You just <laughs> I always kept him close. It was like a Von Eric, uh, especially Terry, because you didn't know which care you were getting that night. So, you know, I always kept Terry close, always wrestled with him more, kept him tight instead of trying to do spots that he couldn't remember.
1: Was he like under the influence? Was that it, or was he just a space cadet? No, for, for both.
0: Terry was one of the sharpest people I, I knew had wonderful con- conversations with him. He just, when he got on that junk, man, he lost it. It was just, he, he couldn't remember, you know, he couldn't remember for two or three seconds. If you told him a spot, he'd be like, what, what? So I just kept it close.
1: Smart <laughs> on your part. Yeah, for sure. You got to know what you're dealing with. Yeah, that's, that's pretty sure. good. A uh, good scouting report for sure. Um, ECW CyberSlam '99 at the ECW Arena. You and Skull Von Crush, aka Vito, lose to Chris Chatty and Supernova. What do you think about being on pay per view with ECW?
0: Oh, I enjoyed it. I never. <laughs> that's one check I never got, but uh, I, I enjoyed it. Uh, you know the opportunity. Uh, it was probably the hottest thing going at the time, and I, I was happy to be a part of
1: it. Now, eventually, they'll put you in a faction. You'll be a part of DeBold PN News. Is obviously kind of was the was the leader of the group there for a while. Mm-hmm. What did you think about them actually? You know, kind of devoting some time to you and putting you in a faction. Is that something you were for, or, or you know, something you can kind of um, get your hands into?
0: Well, I kind of – I knew the writing on the wall at ECW, you know. They wanted to promote third guys, get their guys over, and I had no problem with that, you know. they That's that's the deal, and I understand it. Um, I kind of – I was really hoping when uh, TNA if, – if they could have landed uh, TNA at the time when they went on there, I was really hoping it would be big for ECW and I'd get hired on as an agent because
1: I, I was getting to that point where I was ready to get out of the ring. Yeah, if they kind of could have got that deal, that national deal, eventually a few years later, WB would get on the, the national yeah. network and really, really uh, blow up. But their deal with TNA was so small, it was almost like, they weren't really on TV. I know they had that network, quote-unquote, feud, but a lot of that was real. Like, they didn't promote them at all. They didn't really have a good deal with them. It was kind of um shit deal for TV. I thought so,
0: too. And,
1: you know, I don't know the inside
0: scoop on that, and I don't know what it was all about. But uh,
1: they didn't get a fair shake, for sure. You do eventually get a world title shot against Mike Awesome. I know it's a the house show, but it's uh, near your hometown. What would you think about Mike Awesome and, you know, getting a quote-unquote ECW world title shot? Oh. I
0: love Mike. He was, uh, man, he was a great guy. I, I'm sorry what happened to him. But uh, as far as in the ring, you know, he was so used to people. You know, he'd do that splash out, off the, in the ring to the floor. And those guys would never catch him. and I'd catch him. And he'd be like, man, thank you so much. These other guys don't catch me. You know, I end up hurting myself. I was like, All right, yeah, yeah, but, uh, "I but come to school, you protect each other's bodies. So.
1: But he was a good guy, man, and good hands. You also worked another great hand, Chris Candido. I believe it was your last ever match. Basically, you spend probably about a year and a few months straight and ECW working almost every night but Candido I believe is your last match in ECW. Yes. Uh-huh.
0: I had, you know, I did a couple
1: jobs basically for New Jack but uh
0: working with Candido he you know, he was <laughs> he's great. He was
1: uh he was fun, man.
0: He was he was a good guy. I've been through a lot but he's a
1: good guy. Now, you were kind of saying you knew we was headed towards the end of ECW. You knew you were kind of winding it down. Was there any sort of, like, handshake with you and Heyman, like, hey, this is the end of my run here, I'm done, or they kind of kick you to the curb? Like, how does that work with the ECW?
0: No, even uh, even when he was flying me in and,
1: and I wasn't working
0: on the shows, he, uh, I'd watch the monitor, you know, I'd watch matches, and, and he'd ask me what I think, and I'd tell him what I thought. Or if some guys wanted me to watch their match, I'd watch it for them, and I'd tell them what they think or what I think and uh, what I thought of their match. So, I mean, this, uh, he flew me into Buffalo just to watch for the pay-per-view, just to watch the
1: monitor. So how did the exit go? Like, Did, did he say, like, okay, you know, we're, we're done here? Like, or did you want to leave? Again, I, I saw the
0: handwriting on the wall. You know, a lot of the guys were getting like the, the Dudleys were getting ready to leave. Uh, Van Dam was getting ready to to go, and uh, a lot of the talent was uh, looking to go their separate way. You know, they wanted to move on, and uh, I saw that and. When when I say, Paul, we got anything this week, he'd tell me no, and I'd say no problem, and we uh, go from there. Did you? Know, you... He... Oh, sorry. No, no, I'm sorry. No, I was going to say, you know, he'd call me maybe, you know, it wouldn't be for another two weeks he'd call and say, hey, man, we come in and just do this or do that, and I had no problem. Got paid for, you know, a couple
1: of days and came home. So you were kind of like an unofficial agent for uh, a period of time there at ECW. Yeah,
0: I mean, I worked. I worked most of the time. Then when I wasn't working, I was,
1: you know, I was always
0: watching the monitor. I mean, that's how I learned from day one. So I just watched, and I guess people noticed me watching, and they come up and ask, "Well, hey man, do you see this, or what you think?" And Paul noticed me watching and would come by and ask me my opinion. So.
1: What did you think about Paul, though? So many people say he's a genius. What do you think about him? Yeah, Paul, he is a genius. You just, you got to take Paul for what he is.
0: You know, you really got to look deep into his eyes like, Paul, hello, Paul. Is this for real? Or uh, you telling somebody, you're trying to sell something to somebody. And, he, you know, he'd come down and say, no, man, this, this, or this. But, uh... I had a great relationship with uh, Paul Hamas. He was I, he was a blast. It really was
1: fun, always fun. So as we head towards the wind down and head towards the finish, when did you end up retiring and why? Was it those injuries all kind of caught up with you? Was it basically the end of 99 to 2000 is when you decided to retire?
0: Yeah, about 2000, uh, I opened up a training school in Gulfport. And before that, I had opened one up in Scott, Louisiana, just outside of Lafayette. And that's where I trained Red Dog and Jazz. And when I opened mine up in Gulfport, they came down and helped me out with my students. And, you know, we've always had a good relationship that way. But, uh, yeah, 2000, I was like, uh, I, need to, I need to get fixed up. And uh, I had a
1: long list of injuries I needed to get taken care of. When you kind of look back at your career, do you have any regrets? Like, is the WCW thing a regret? Is is there any time where you wish maybe you got signed by them? Like, what kind of regrets do you have, if any, in wrestling?
0: Yes, I, I would have told Sid Vicious, yes, I'm going. What time you want me there? Or where do I show up at? That's one regret, because, uh, and everything's hindsight, but I, I should have taken the sure thing and instead of the Maybe.
1: And I saw it when you were doing those dark matches. You did have a dark match in '97 against a young Dwayne the Rock Johnson. Do you remember that at all? Uh, vaguely. That was that was a long week, man.
0: I'm telling you, I worked in Japan. When I came back, I was working in around El Paso, Austin. I think I had a. I think I had a show the night before or something, man. But I remember it was a
1: long drive to Beaumont to do that show. It's funny. Like looking back, it's like, okay, you wrestled a very young Steve Austin. You wrestled a very, at that point, a young rock. I mean, that's pretty kind of cool. When you look back, it's like, you know, you were there kind of helping them mature and become the, the wrestlers they would become.
0: It's nice to think that.
1: I mean, uh
0: there were some other things. When we were doing that USWA, you know, when we had we had Kane there before he was Kane, you know, we had a lot of people down there that we were working with and doing, uh, you know, we were doing spot shows and house shows, so we had a chance to work with these guys. And uh, it was a good experience for me, and uh, I hope they felt the same way. I, I hope
1: when they left the match with me that they uh, took something with them. When you look back and you just think about some favorite matches or some favorite opponents, does anything kind of pop up? Or Does somebody stick out above others? Is there some guys we haven't even mentioned that you just think like, oh, man, I used to love working that guy, or, you know, I have some favorites, uh, even opponent-wise, like some guys you just really like to work?
0: Yeah, I mean, Al Perez pops in my head, first of all. And there, there's been so many guys, man. But, you know, once you get in, once you get with some of these guys like Al Perez, it, it's such a night off. I, I just remember he was, uh, he was teaching me how not to be so snug. And uh, I used to, we used to go back and forth. I'd rib, I'd rib him. I'd, I'd just hammer him just out of the blue when he didn't think it was ever coming. just, you know, just for kicks <laughs> and he'd do the same thing for me, you know, Two or three nights later, i get the receipt. But uh, (laughs) I remember working with Al, and, you know, there's so many. Wild Bill Irwin, Black Bart, man. uh, Killer Tim Brooks. uh, I've had Iceman. I've had so many uh, matches with so many good people, man.
1: And I believe you wrestled Terry Gordy, too, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, we
0: wrestled in Japan. We wrestled in... uh, Oh,
1: I don't know if it was somewhere in Louisiana we did. Who do you think is the best guy you've ever been in the ring with?
0: Man, that's a that's a tough question because there's so many that are at that time at, a, at that level. You can't uh, you can't say oh he's
1: better, or he's worse in my book because they were all they were also good it's interesting with al perez how come he didn't become a bigger star did that ever kind of you know you ever think about that like oh i wonder how good this guy didn't make it or you did that ever I cross don't know your mind Why he didn't you know get kicked up when nwa
0: when george all Star wrestling and nwa when that thing came together he just didn't become a way bigger star in nwa i, I don't I don't know why. I don't know who was booking if somebody had something against him.
1: Yeah, it's weird that he didn't become you know, bigger than he uh, he really did. But when you kind of look back at your career and just think about it, what do you think is like the lasting legacy of Rod Price? Like, What would you, maybe some of the, your contemporaries say, or what do you think is the stamp you left behind on the wrestling business? <laughs> I know we're going to say he's stiff.
0: <laughs> all uh, man, I just uh, personally, uh, my legacy is, man. I, the brothers knew I loved them, and uh, I t- they looked out for me, and I looked out for them, and uh, we were brothers on the road, brothers on the road. So I just I pray that they all uh, remember me as a
1: as a good brother. Nice. Now, as far as like your training school stuff, is that still active today? Are you still running the training school? No, I I just,
0: (laughs) I just had my uh, left shoulder replaced. It's been a year ago. It just turned a year in December. So I'm, I'm on the 2021 is like, I'm praying that this year is no surgeries and full recovery and hoping that SWE
1: is, uh, in the plans and we'll go from there. As far as some plugs, do you have some plugs? Are you on social media? Do you do you know all that kind of jazz? I don't get into that, man. I, I have my Facebook
0: that's uh that's half with some fans will send me some old pictures and I'll post some. But uh you know, everyday life, hey
1: I'm here with the grandkids, I'm taking out the trash, that's about me right now. Nice, nice. That's great, dude. The rugged one, is hanging out with the grandkids—kind of a cool, cool thing for sure. It
0: was—it was a great time. I had all—I had well, I didn't have all my family here, but I had my wife's side of the family here, and
1: it was wonderful. It was really a good time tonight. Nice. That was very good, and I'm glad I was able to get to spend some time with you. Thank you so much, and I appreciate all the time tonight. Thank you, sir. I appreciate it Brother